Welcome to the Best Interest Podcast, hosted by Jesse Kramer, where we discuss today's best ideas in personal finance and investing. The Best Interest is a personal podcast meant for entertainment purposes only. It should not be taken as financial advice and is not prescriptive of your financial situation. Here's your host, Jesse Kramer. Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of the Best Interest Podcast. My name is Jesse Kramer. Some news before we really get started. Ben Carlson and Michael Batnick, they are two financial planners. They're both great writers, and they have a wonderful and very well-known podcast called Animal Spirits. I listen every week. And this week, they cited my article in their work. If you want a thorough analysis, Jesse Kramer emailed us a really long and detailed analysis of the true cost of owning a car it's way higher than i thought way 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 higher but owning versus leasing it's all there so i, I recommend you so my here's check here's, that out. here's my other so thank you ben and michael i really appreciate it guys and today i am welcoming the one and only millennial money woman aka the mmw aka fiona onto the podcast fiona is a financial planner turned blogger and she has a terrific blog with a huge following on social media she does a lot of work to help the underprivileged get access to financial literacy and ultimately to improve their lives and that that is right in line with the best interests mission so we have a great conversation on that and in general we just have a terrific conversation where we discuss things like fiona's sad but inspiring genesis story that got her started down the path of financial education and we talk about the financial literacy gap that exists in america we also cover how amateur financial educators can still be so effective at what they do and for those using twitter we talk about how fiona uses twitter to really effectively help people learn about money and towards the end of the episode, Fiona gives us the world premiere news of a big project that she's working on. So I think that one will be exciting for you guys. Apologies, listeners. Uh, there are some audio hiccups in our Zoom call. I hope you'll, you'll consider the fact that Fiona's amazing message more than makes up for any small glitches in Zoom's infrastructure, or perhaps it's just my shortcomings in uh, learning how to edit audio better in GarageBand. Honestly, it's not that bad, but I just want to tell you about it beforehand and put the blame on me. So, without any further ado, I give you the millennial money woman, Fiona, on episode 13 of the Best Interest Podcast. Okay, I am here with Fiona, the millennial money woman. Fiona, how are you? Jesse, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm great. Doing very well here. It's a nice sunny day, although I did get my my second COVID vaccine yesterday, and I'm feeling a little drowsy because of oh. it, but cannot complain. It's, you know, the the rest is working, and uh, I'm excited to, to talk money with you today. Me too. Let's do it. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, let's start where all good things start at the beginning and specifically at the beginning of millennial money woman. I'm curious, you know, how, how did MMW start as a, as a project or as a blog and kind of where do you see it going or, or what are your goals with MMW? Definitely. Um, so I guess I'll start out by talking about the seed that really made this entire project possible. And that started back when I was about 10 years old uh, with my grandparents. 
and my grandparents, they were my absolute inspiration. I mean, everything they did, I was, I was really inspired by them. Um, so they built their own small family business, nothing big, uh, from scratch. And they, they were, you know, they were decently successful, but unfortunately they had really poor financial planning. So they basically mortgaged their house on the business and, um, they didn't necessarily vet all of the employees in the business. One of them essentially stole the money and the business and they lost everything they ever oh, worked no. for. Yeah, it was really bad. And they also lost their house and essentially they were, you know, in their seventies and, um, almost living on the streets. So, it, and it was just terrible to see them that happen when I was 10 years old. And I think that really kind of sparked a, um, or yeah, I think that's where the seed really started mm -hmm. where, you know, I saw what they went through. And at that time, I didn't really know that it translated into personal finance, but I knew that I never wanted to go down that path. And I also knew that I wanted to help everyone that I met to avoid going down that path. And I didn't know what that quote unquote path looked like, but all I knew is that it had to do with money somehow, somewhere. Um, and that's really, that started my inspiration and my passion for pursuing finance and for learning more about money and how money can be used as a tool to bring you to your goals and keep you with your goals. And um, so that, that really started me into my entire career and path into finance. And ultimately, I, I always thought about starting a blog or at least starting something, writing a book, doing something like that to help others understand a little bit more about finance. Uh, but there's this lovely thing called procrastination. Uh, <laughs> and that kind of, uh, I, I was definitely a victim of that or, or a person who was at fault of procrastinating. So I'll admit it, but uh, it was COVID actually, COVID-19 that started it, that, that triggered me to actually sit down in front of my computer, learn about blogging, figure out what I can do to help everyone because I had a lot of friends um, and colleagues that were affected, you know, with, with the end result of COVID-19. I think 22.2 million people lost their jobs during the pandemic. 63%, uh, I think, is the statistic that uh, Americans are actually living paycheck to paycheck. And only 37% of Americans have enough in savings to cover a $500 emergency. And most of my friends didn't have that $500 saved. Uh, they had a lot less and they lost their jobs. And, you know, I mean, it was just terrible. And that's when I knew, all right, I got to stop procrastinating. I actually have to start doing something. And that was the beginning of the Millennial Money Woman. That is an amazing Genesis story, Fiona. And I'm, I, have, I have too many things going through my head about places to start. I mean, the first one is, it is such a double-edged sword or kind of a bittersweet fact, maybe, that oftentimes some of the toughest circumstances we see in our life are the things that propel us to do something great or propel us to to make a situation better. Um, so obviously, I mean, it's terrible. It sounds terrible what your grandparents went through. Um, and obviously seeing that at a young age is is something that, you know, it's, it's, it's sad that, that you had to see that and that your family had to go through that. And it is just a, it's an interesting kind of bittersweet fact that it kind of lit the fire underneath you that propelled you down this path. But then also almost a similar thing now with COVID. And you're actually the second blogger that I've had here on the podcast who has mentioned that COVID, while for some people, it's obviously been very hard that they lost their jobs. It's been hard on families. It's been hard on people's health. 
Uh, there was also this bittersweet fact that for some people, it gave them time at home. They didn't have to go into work, sitting down in front of their computer to start some project, to start building something from scratch and, and to build something for the future that would help people. And it sounds like you kind of took that tack as well. That's right. Yes. And I, you know, it's like you said, it really is a double-edged sword. It's on one hand, it is, you know, terrible with my grandparents, obviously, and then with COVID and all of the terrible impacts that COVID really brought about. But on the other hand, you know, it's also important to look at the opportunities because um, they, I had a very important mentor in my life and he taught me that in every problem, there really is an opportunity. Um, and we just have to figure out and, and find that strength in ourselves to recognize that opportunity, even if it is disguised as hard work and figure out if that might lead us closer to our goals. And, um, and, and I think truly with, you know, COVID starting, at least for me, it truly helped me realize my passion and help me move forward with my goal in, in creating this blog. That's so cool. And now, as far as I know, Fiona, uh, you're the first licensed uh, financial professional here on the Best Interest podcast. So correct me if I'm wrong, or, or I'm hoping you could kind of tell us the story of yeah. even, even before MMW, it sounds like you were already going down this financial path, started in childhood. So does that mean kind of, you know, through college, through university, and then, and then afterwards, or I'm just curious what path you took in the financial services industry? Certainly. So I started, uh, like you said, in college, I, I learned about finance, took uh, financial classes, um, but it really wasn't until my master's degree. So I decided to take a master's degree in um, finance, personal financial planning, actually, uh, that I guess I really just wanted to drill down, not so much into the economics, because I know a lot of people, they like, you know, studying markets and um, well, portfolio theory and whatnot. I wanted to mm -hmm. figure out the personal financial aspect, um, like how can money make a positive impact on someone's life? And that's why I decided to pursue personal financial planning, um, get my master's degree, get a couple of additional like licenses, right? Because I started working in the corporate financial world, um, essentially in uh, financial planning and um, investment management, that type of stuff. And yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a cutthroat world. I will 100% say that it's, it's very different because a lot of the people that I had the opportunity to interact with, at least while I was in my corporate job, I'm no longer there. I am obviously running the millennial money woman now. Um, they were, it, you're kind of in a different world. You're in a very jaded world. And the reason why I say jaded is because you're really interacting with, you know, the top 1% of the country, if not the world, at least the job that I was in. And you really get a different sense of the, the high class problems, right, versus the everyday problems. And um, I, I knew that it wasn't necessarily a path that I wanted to continue for the rest of my life because, again, I knew what happens to the everyday person that doesn't have a financial planner on their side, like my grandparents. And that's where I, I was really focused on helping with nonprofit communities, for example, nonprofits, charities, that type of stuff. Um, and one of the nonprofits was focused for underprivileged young girls. 
and who didn't really have, you know, financial resources. Some of them, their parents weren't even able to pay enough money for an alarm clock to get them out of bed to get to school. I mean, we're talking the absolute opposite end of the people that I was working with on a daily basis. And that's where I realized again, like we re if we really want to make a difference in the world, we, we can't point the fingers to others. We got to point the finger to ourselves. Um, and we need to start with us. So that's really, again, where I try to take that initiative and, um, you know, focus on at least creating a blog and everyone has internet access, right? Everyone mm -hmm. can actually type in the millennial money woman and look at a couple of, um, you know, help tips to build their financial literacy, for example. And that's where it all started. But yeah, I mean, it's everything in life, I think happens for a reason and it's a lesson for us, right? Like life happens for us, not to us. And it's up to us to actually take a learning opportunity and try to sculpt it toward our future goals. That's an amazing mindset, Fiona. And one, one thing that you struck on there that is often overlooked, and it's something that I've thought a lot about over these past couple of years, you mentioned how some of the nonprofit work you were doing was with was with underprivileged uh, women or underprivileged young girls who found themselves kind of on the complete opposite end of the spectrum as the clients that you were working with as a, a financial professional. And when people have come and asked me before, you know, Jesse, why do you think there's such a, a gap when it comes to financial literacy in this company, uh, country? Uh, why is it that so many underprivileged people or, you know, for lack of a better term, poor people don't have the financial education that they need. Part of the reason why it's, it's kind of like you got to follow the money or you've got to understand the incentives. And if someone has enough money to hire a financial professional, then that person, uh, the financial professional is incentivized to help that person have a better financial education. Whereas if you are so poor that you can't afford a financial advisor in the first place, if you're so poor that you can't afford any sort of extracurricular classes to learn more about these topics. You can't buy books to learn about these topics. The, the system is set up so that no one is really incentivized to reach out and educate those people. Does that, does that make sense? Or have, have you seen that as well? Absolutely, Jesse. I think you make a fantastic point. I mean, I think it comes down to really, you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, you know, if I put myself in, in these young girls' shoes, I mean, they're, you know, I, I help them from ages five to 18, essentially. So all just before college. Um, and most of them, they don't have the opportunity to uh, surround themselves with, you know, people who are possibly seen as community leaders or thought leaders or entrepreneurs. They don't live in that environment and they might not know about that environment. And that's where it, like you said, it's so important to at least try to somehow insert, uh, you know, potential mentors or, or people that are willing to give their time and talent to these, you know, it doesn't even have to be young girls. It can be anyone who is looking for at least an out or at least an, a way to find the, the mindset behind a winner's mentality or like how to find that freedom that they're looking for in terms of finance, right? Financial freedom. And it is definitely hard if you grow up in circles that might not promote that type of education. Um, and yeah, it's, it's so sad, but that's definitely a reason why there is that financial literacy gap in our country. Yeah. But Hey, that's, uh, gives us some more, uh, 
kind of points our ship in the right direction. Gives exactly. Us a mission. It gives us a mission, right? I yes. <laughs> um, well, I'm curious, Fiona, this is a genuine, this is a personal curiosity. I'm not sure how many of the listeners will be as curious about this as I am, but I'm an engineer. I'm not a financial professional. Mm-hmm. I, I try to read as much as I can. I try to write pieces that I know have correct facts and that are pointing people in the right direction. But you, as a financial professional in the blogging world, you are in this minority amid a sea of non-professional writers like me. Just wondering what kind of thoughts that the financial the professionals have about the fact that there are all these amateur bloggers out there. I love this question, by the way. I, I think it's a fantastic question. <laughs> um, and honestly, from from my experience, and even from remembering back to when I was working in corporate America, my colleagues' experience too. Honestly, I don't think there is really a difference. And honestly, also, I think a lot of professionals in finance admire those people and draw inspiration from bloggers who do not have a formal education in finance. um, Because I think we realize, at least I realize that if you, if you are able to become financially independent by learning on your own terms without that, you know, whatever it is, a license, a master's degree, actually working in corporate America in, in whatever it is, investment management, that truly shows anyone can do it. Because I think that there are bloggers out there, right? Like um, you can be a a band music teacher or you can be uh, an engineer. You can be whoever, maybe you can be a seamstress, whatever it is. The point is if you figured out how to become financially free on your own, that's just, it's so inspirational um, to, especially to professionals, at least like myself. And um, I think that just goes to show that it's not so much education that matters. It's really the experience and that mindset that is what matters. And that's what's going to bring you to your goals. Um, and I think, I think Eminem, actually, the, the rapper said it very, very well in one of his quotes. He said that you can do anything you set your mind to. Um, and that quote in one of his songs, it's, it's just so inspirational because, again, it doesn't matter your education. What matters is your mindset. And if you have a winning mindset, set. Um, you know, if you spread that word in your financial blog, then you, I think you can inspire really anyone. Right. It's a great point. Some of the, the most followed financial bloggers, at least from my point of view, it all starts with the mindset and it all right. starts with their attitude. And, you know, specifically, I think about folks like Jay Money yes. uh, from Budgets Are Sexy and uh, Mr. Uh, Money Mustache. And that, you know, when you read their work, their personality oozes from their words and they might not be writing for everybody, but it's clear that they have the certain mindset, that they have these certain goals. And as a reader, you, you, can, you can sense it coming from their words and it, it helps build that community. It helps build that tribe around their blogs. And they've ended up helping out a ton of people because of it. That's so true. And exactly. You see that personality. You're able to connect with them. And I think a lot of times why possibly, you know, corporate financial professionals or whatnot don't have such a good um, ability to break through in finance is because um, I think a lot of people see them as, you know, not being able to 
fail, but I think when people really portray their true stories in their blogs, how they have failed, why mm -hmm. they made mistakes, it just makes them so much more relatable. It makes them actual like a, a person behind the blog itself, behind the website. And I think that's why people really are uh, really like other bloggers who might not have the financial designations or certifications or what have you. Right. It's a great point. Some of my best posts have been either ones where I've said, here are a bunch of ways I've messed up, or here are a bunch of lessons that I've learned from, mm -hmm. from failures. Um, but then also something I, I hesitated for a long time was uh, including my specific financial numbers in my posts. But mm -hmm. I realized eventually that some readers weren't necessarily connecting with me because they, they kind of looked at my work and said, okay, Jesse, it makes sense on its surface but is it really working for you? And if it is, do you mind showing us how it's working for you? Do you mind showing us kind of how your, your budget has looked over the last two years, how your portfolio has looked over the last few years? I've had this conversation before where obviously there's a little taboo about sharing too much detail about your money, but a lot of the blog readers out there, they want to know if you've tried tactics A, B, and C in your personal finance, how have tactics A, B, and C actually improved your life? And, and sharing that detail with them really helps me at least connect with my readers. That's a really good point. Readers want to see how advice personally impacts you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm with you. I mean, I know I need to be a little bit more able to do that as well, you know, in terms of sharing and going in depth of my personal finance. It's something that, you know, like you said, it's kind of a taboo. I'm like, I'm trying to experiment and moving into that section here in, you know, the future, the near future. Um, but absolutely, even from a reader's perspective, I completely understand that they want to be able to connect to you and they want to see, hey, are you actually living by your advice? Are you actually, right. you know, following your own advice? Because then you know, okay, it's actually genuine. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And and that part has helped too. I, I preached at my audience for, for a solid 15 months before showing them that I was practicing it yeah. as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, Fiona, I think I first came across you on Twitter, where you have a humongous reach and a really broad fan base. So I'm genuinely curious here how social media fits into your vision of, of the millennial money woman. And, and maybe even if you see a point where social media becomes a more effective uh, means of communication that almost takes over the blog. For, for me, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if this podcast might do that for my blog or something along those lines, but I'm wondering how you see social media fitting in with, with your mission. Definitely. So Twitter is uh, my preferred way of, you know, communicating and connecting with my audience. Uh, and it's interesting because I was never really into social media before I started the Millennial Money Woman. In fact, I think the only social media platform I personally have is maybe an old one from MySpace and I forgot my password to it. So like, yeah, very not that well known in the social media world. And once I started my blog, um, I think I was just I knew I had to somehow reach out, obviously, and connect with my audience on a different level, um, not just my blog. And so I started experimenting. I opened up a Facebook account. I opened up uh, Instagram, and I opened up Pinterest, and then finally Twitter. And Twitter was the one that really spoke to me. Um, and like you said, I, def I was able to grow my Twitter audience. And I think, though, the reason why I am really 
gravitating toward Twitter is because I'm able to connect with people from all around the world and have that immediate engagement factor, right? Because in Twitter, it seems like um, at least my audience is on it and they, they want to get to know you. They're either direct messaging you or they're commenting on your posts and they either want feedback from you, they want engagement from you, but the point is they want to connect with you and typically on an immediate basis. And I didn't find that on other platforms like with Pinterest, for example. It doesn't seem to be that immediate and it doesn't really seem like you get to engage and connect with your followers as well as with Twitter. So absolutely, Twitter is a really wonderful opportunity to network with financially oriented uh, followers, organizations, communities, nonprofits, what have you. And it's also, to be very honest, a great way to drive traffic to the website. Um, I used to post just blog posts on Twitter um, in in the way beginning days. Uh, It didn't necessarily drive that much engagement. Mm -hmm. Um, And from there, I kind of pivoted to providing actual actionable advice by either posting threads. Uh, I think a lot of people know me for posting lots of threads Mm -hmm. um, or individual tweets with, you know, advice that they can actually pursue. And that I think was key to number one, growing my audience. And also number two, being able to, again, connect with my followers and get to know who they are and not just, you know, a a random face and a name and that's it. And I think that's what will separate an individual, a blogger, whoever on social media from the rest is if you, if people are genuinely understanding that you try to connect with them and actually get to know them, that's the key differentiator. Yeah. I mean, that's the recipe for success that I've seen on Twitter as well. And it's worked, um, I would say, mildly successfully for me, in part only because I'm I'm only able to mildly put forth, I'm only able to put forth a mild <laughs> effort, if you will. Um, but but some of the people who I've met on Twitter are so talented at engaging with other people in in a genuine fashion, and um, and really building that community around themselves of of like-minded individuals. It's funny, a couple episodes ago, Fiona, or maybe it was only one episode ago. I was uh, speaking with uh, Justin, who's from the Road to Wealth podcast, and and he's active on Twitter. And we were talking about how the echo chambers that Twitter can create, they get a lot of negative press, and and rightfully so, in some cases where it kind of, uh, it only surrounds you with the information that you're familiar with. And depending on the topic, that can be a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at least from the personal finance and investing investing space, excuse me, um, it's a lot of positivity, a lot of smart people putting forth genuinely good information, trying to help people who come with genuine questions who are confused about money. And it really has been, at least for me, a great space to share my work, to share my advice, to ask advice from other people who have who have been there, who are smarter than me. It's a really wonderful community. Absolutely. And I think you're very right on this too, that it really depends on the circle that you surround yourself with in Twitter. Um, I think there is at least you and I, it seems like we're more in the money Twitter space, which certainly seems to be much more uh, supportive and, um, you know, a collaborative group of networkers who want to, number one, learn from others, and number two, help others learn in the sense that a rising tide really does lift all ships and all boats. So it's, it really is an incredible community. And I, I mean, 
very rarely do I see negative comments uh, in this circle in this space because it seems like everyone really does want to boost everyone up and learn together right it's one of my favorite quotes i think i've used it on the blog probably a dozen times over the last couple (laughs) years how a rising tide raises all ships yep um and it's one of the best reasons to share your knowledge is that it, it takes you this finite amount of time to write a post to write a twitter thread to share it with the world and then the network effects of the internet allow that work to be shared you know 50,000 times over compared to your initial input. Um, and, and by sharing your knowledge, you really do raise the tide and all the other ships around you in your network benefit from that. So it's a very utilitarian kind of selfless way of, of interacting with the world, I think. Very well put. I couldn't put it better. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, Fiona. So I know you were telling me beforehand that you've been kind of working on this, this slightly bigger project, or it's part of MMW, but it's kind of an exciting new release. Uh, so I was wondering if you wouldn't mind kind of telling the audience about what you have in store. I would love to, Jesse. So this is actually the first time I'm ever publicizing this. It is um, a, a new project that I'm working on, and it will be released here in the very near future. And it is a book that I am writing. Um, I'm just about to finish writing it, actually. And it's called How to Get Rich from Nothing. And essentially, this is a compilation of short, plain English and actual, actionable steps on what you can do to build the life that you want. Um, and I think that the focus of the book is not so much about preaching that you have to skip Starbucks, skip avocado toast, and actually dump every single last penny into your investment accounts. The actual focus of this book is getting behind the mindset of getting rich, of taking information directly from some of the most famous people in the entire world, really, right? So we're talking Warren Buffett. We're even talking one of my mentors. He's not the richest and most famous person in the world, but he actually did teach me a lot of valuable life lessons. And I feel compelled to share those in this book, as well as uh, one of the most famous psychologists, Dr. Carol Dweck from, I think she's from Stanford University, and she wrote the book Mindset, The New Psychology of Success, and really picks apart what it takes to be a winner. Um, And I take some of those, I I read the book, and I took some of those um, important uh, lessons and put that into this book. And, um, you know, really trying to showcase that it, anyone, every single person on this world really can become a millionaire if you follow certain steps, if you implement certain habits into your life, and, you know, stay patient. I think patience is really one of the most important things there is in life. And uh, patience will help you become a millionaire, believe it or not. <laughs> it absolutely will. It absolutely will. I mean, that's, that's amazing news. Congratulations, first off. That Thank is, you so that much. That is so cool. It's, it's kind of on my bucket list as well. I've, you know, I've written enough on the blog to probably piecemeal a book together. I just need to sit down and do it, which is obviously much easier said than done. So oh, yeah. kudos to you for actually doing it. Um, Thank you. And so it was was called again, How to Become Rich from Nothing, How to Get Rich from Nothing. Exactly. How to Get Rich from Nothing. How to Get Rich from Nothing. Very cool, Fiona. And and out of curiosity, so are you going to be, is that something that I could find on Amazon or at Walmart or when it becomes published, how could I find that book? 
Sure. Great question. I think number one, it will be on Gumroad. It's an application where you can certainly find it um, if you just type it in. Number two, it'll obviously also be on my Twitter account so everyone can easily access it there. And number three, it will also be on my website. Um, Amazon and Walmart are probably going to be projects in the future. Uh, The goal is actually to have it physically published, not just an ebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know the actual date when that will happen, but yes, absolutely. You can read my mind, Jesse. That's one of the future goals. <laughs> cool. That's really exciting. And, it, and yeah. you know, I've had the same thoughts go through my head. Um, cause I know now Amazon has this self-publishing option where yes. it's kind of like print on demand. That sounds really cool. Uh, but obviously the Gumroad ebook route is also something that is much more, you know, anybody can download it from their computer anywhere in the world and you don't necessarily need a physical copy. So I understand the appeal of that too. Well, congratulations. That's so exciting, Fiona. And thank you with, for, for sharing it here. Thank you. Yeah. First yeah. time ever. So, yep. Thank you so much for having me and yeah. letting me talk about it. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, in that case, what are your thoughts, Fiona, on going to our classic best interest podcast, rapid fire questions? Let's do it. Okay. All right. <laughs> what is the last material object or personal luxury that you spent $100 or more on? So this is really hard actually for me because I, I don't really like spending money. Um, I don't, I really don't know the answer to this. If you consider my dog to be a luxury item, then I would say my dog three years ago, but <laughs> <laughs> I do consider dogs to be luxury items. Okay, for what it's so worth. my dog, yes. <laughs> uh, Sadie, my dog, is fast asleep about four feet away from the microphone right now. And I'm very oh. thankful that she has been silent and sleeping throughout this recording. <laughs> it's funny, my dog, uh, he is also, he's a French bulldog. And mm-hmm. he has the tendency to want attention 24-7. So, But he's sleeping as well. So thankfully, he's quiet. <laughs> This one's for the canines. Okay. Yes. What is your, uh, what's your end of pandemic celebration going to look like, Fiona? So I think actually it's going to be related to the book. It's going to be kind of like a book release party, uh, if you will, uh, hopefully on the beach. So I'm, I'm in Florida. And so my hope is to, you know, at least have a couple of friends around and share maybe some thoughts about, you know, success or what their goals are in the future. So kind of make it like a, a powwow, like a financial powwow, so to say. <laughs> really cool. Yeah. Beach con. Exactly. You can make it the new financial thin con, the new financial conference. <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, Fiona, what is your go-to for a simple and delicious meal bonus points if you cook it yourself? Okay. I actually do cook this myself and it is spaghetti with tomato sauce, plain and simple. And it's probably the only meal I know how to cook. Well, I mean, I love pasta and sauce, so no, no complaints here. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever throw any garlic bread in there or, or Parmesan cheese, or do you keep it simple with the spaghetti and sauce? Oh my gosh, that's a great idea. I've never done the garlic bread. I have done Parmesan cheese though. So that I, I am at least a little bit creative in that aspect. Okay. Yeah. One, thing, one thing at a time. I get it. Exactly. I um, what is one good habit you're trying to form or a bad habit you are trying to break? Okay. The one good habit is trying to drink water directly after waking up. Believe it or not, I actually never realized that your body is very hydrated after you wake up. 
it never really dawned on me. And I typically only drink coffee. Um, but again, going back to this Twitter community, it, it's so helpful. And I've seen so many times, you know, drink water when you wake up, your mind will be so much better off. And I've started to do this the night before. Um, mm. I fill my water, I fill my glass of water, uh, and I put it next to my nightstand, trying to form, you know, those positive habits, like through Atomic Habits, that book. Right, right. Um, have it easy access in the morning when I wake up, boom, I drink a glass of water because if it wasn't there on my nightstand in the morning, I would not be going and getting myself a glass of water. So that's one habit I'm trying to create. <laughs> that's amazing. I just finished Atomic Habits, the book you mentioned a few weeks yep. ago, and I know exactly what you're talking about, right? Make it easy, make the habit easy to follow. And exactly. It like you're setting yourself up the night before you make it easy to follow. That's a good one. That's a really good one. I, Thank uh, you. I didn't drink coffee this morning for probably the first time in like four months. And uh, yeah, it definitely went through my head about, you know what, I should try to just drink more water, less coffee. So I'll, I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and then last one, Fiona, uh, what is a message that you would put on a billboard to share with the world? What would you say? Ooh, that's a good question, Jesse. Um, I think my message would probably be this. The most dangerous drug is comfort. Ooh, I can relate to that one. I certainly have been known to get comfortable where I am and kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know if I would say I get addicted to it, but something along those lines. And the ne next thing you know, I, I'm watching the world kind of race away from me, wishing I could catch up, but I've, I've gotten a little bit too comfortable. Yep. Same here. I've, I've noticed that too, at least before I started the millennial money woman, it was, you know, I was, I was so ingrained in my routine and my job, right? Nine to five, wake up in the morning, drive to work, do work, come home, watch mm -hmm. TV, go to bed. And that was literally my life for, uh, I don't know, five, six years. And then finally this pandemic changed, you know, everything. And that's where I was like, oh my gosh, I was living in comfort. I was living in mediocrity and I needed to step outside of my comfort zone. And since since then, I've honestly never looked back. That is so cool. Good for you, Fiona. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're an inspiration. I mean, seriously, I mean, that is, you know, a quick anecdote is my brother did something similar where he used the pandemic where he got uh, furloughed, kind of partially laid mm -hmm. off of his job mm -hmm. to try something new, to try something that he's always wanted to do, which is to essentially become a fine craftsman, carpenter, woodworker. Wow. And, and he hasn't looked back. And, he, and he's doing really, really well at it. So I give kudos to him. And, and likewise, I hear your story and I see so many similarities. Big kudos to you, Fiona. Thank you so much. I really appreciate yeah. it. So Fiona, after this, I know people listening to this are going to want to reach out to you. How can they reach you? Certainly. So number one spot, you can definitely reach me on Twitter. Um, my handle is at the underscore MMW. Um, and of course, you can always reach me on my blog as well, The Millennial Money Woman. And um, if you're a Pinterest user, you can find me there, The Millennial Money Woman, or just, you know, shoot me a direct message on Twitter or on my um, blog and I'm, I'll get back to you. I'm super excited to get to know everyone. So definitely I'm open always. Very cool. And I'll be sure I will put those uh, social media links and blog links in the show notes for any listeners wanting to find them. Perfect. Yona, can't thank you enough. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Jesse. I really appreciated it. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. That was a fantastic conversation. I loved speaking with Fiona, and I hope you guys found that conversation engaging as well. 
Again, Fiona's website is themillennialmoneywoman.com. And on Twitter, she's at the underscore MMW. And make sure you keep an eye out for her upcoming book launch. That is super exciting news, Fiona. If you guys want to reach out to me, uh, my email is jesse at bestinterest.blog. Or you can follow me on Twitter, where my username is bestinterest underscore jc. If you go to the podcast page on the blog, I now have this handy little tool called SpeakPipe that allows you to record your questions to hear them live on air. If you guys keep listening, I will keep producing. It's a happy little relationship we have, and you know the usual drill. The Best Interest is a small business, and it does help my small business when you listen, when you leave a rating, and when you leave a review of the podcast, or when you subscribe. If you find this valuable and you want to give back, that is how you can do it. And it's all free to you, absolutely free. We can continue to invest in one another because, as Ben Franklin said, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Sharing with others is investing in their knowledge. So thank you guys. Thank you for listening to episode 13 of the Best Interest Podcast. Thank you.